0: We had some friends in town this weekend and uh, we were sitting on the couch and all of a sudden Layla got a text message from one of the neighbors that said something to the effect of the boys, meaning my son and other boys in the neighborhood were fighting at the park down the street. So we immediately get up and run out of the house with our guests (laughs) kind of sitting on the couch and we run down to the park and we find our son in a squabble with some other boys in the neighborhood, which sucks. Not what you want your kids to be a part of. Um, but also, I was a boy. I actually got in a lot of fights as a as a kid. That's no excuse to that behavior, but I guess I understand it, if I'm just speaking frankly. So, trying to figure out how to deal with this. Well, it turns out, as I'm getting backstory on this fight, I go to my son, and I realize that he had been texting with some of these boys. And I start to read through the text chain. My son is, for context, if you're brand new to the Dad Tire Podcast, I have four kids. My oldest is a boy, and he's about to be 12 years old. I'm reading through some of the, the text that he and his friends in the neighborhood have been exchanging with each other. And I'm reading through specific text messages from my son, and they're just mean. Like, they're not kind. P.S. I asked my son on two different separate occasions, two different days, if he was okay with me sharing this and he gave me permission. And I really explained to him what I was going to share with you today. And he said that he would be okay with me sharing this with you. So I never want to, especially now that my kids are getting older, you know, I don't want them to listen to this podcast 20 years from now and be like, dad, why the heck did you share all my laundry with thousands of people? So I really want to protect him in that. But he did give me permission on two separate occasions. I really wanted to be sure that he'd be okay. And He gave me permission to share this with you. I read these text messages and he was just saying, uh, he wasn't like cussing or like using terrible language, but the things that he was saying were just mean. They were not godly. They were hurtful things that he was saying to his friends. He was being a real punk. And so that actually bothered me even more. Like the fight was one thing. I don't at all condone violence what he did was wrong but sometimes uh, again i know some of you especially if their moms listening they're going to be like dude jared you're you're <laughs> you're writing this off and it's i'm not writing it off absolutely not i just know boys can be aggressive like i had friends that growing up when i was that age we would fight each other at recess and then literally by the end of recess we would be like friends again so i know that probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people maybe that doesn't make sense to a lot of moms but i have a feeling there's some dads who they just get that so regardless of that reality, it's still wrong and needs to be punished. But I wanted to get behind the heart of what was going on there. And I think the text messages actually revealed the heart stuff. And so I read these text messages and that was the stuff that I was really disappointed in. Um, even more disappointed, I should say. I was disappointed in both, but I was really disappointed in like the heart posture that he was taking and the things that he was saying to these other boys in the neighborhood. And just really, I was mad. I was frustrated. I didn't know what to do. I've told you this before in, in other scenarios in, in parenting but you know sometimes i could just be quick to like just quick to punish and i'm really trying to slow down and parent the heart like what was behind it what's going on in his heart and how do i shepherd his heart in the midst of this so i immediately you know there's like a quick hey you're coming inside you're grounded i got to figure this stuff out i got to figure out what we're going to do here and over the next like, 24, 48 hours, I'm I'm praying. I'm trying to be slow. I don't want to just react, but I really want to seek the Lord's wisdom. Like, God, how do I parent this boy that you've put on loan, that you've given me to raise? And um, God, I know you love him more than me. And I know you, you want to parent him. I know, God, that you're ultimately the father here. And so I, I'm partnering with you. God, teach me what to do to shepherd his heart well. And I And I was really feeling that. I remember, I've told you this too before, but sometimes this sounds weird, not trying to give you a visual here, but in the showers, oftentimes where I'm like praying and thinking and contemplating. And so I was just like, all right, God, I want to parent his heart in the same way that you parent mine. And you never just punish me. And we don't just see, in scripture, we don't just see you like jolting down lightning or punishing your people, but you're really, like God is such a good parent. There's always grace and truth, perfectly balanced. There's always consequences for bad decisions and for sinful behavior. And at the same time, you feel like even in the midst of it, I want to be around God more. And that's been my personal experience around my own sin, where I feel the weight of it. And I feel my own sense of like, I've wronged, I've steps outside of God's design. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. There's consequences for it. And at the same time, the only person I want to be around is my father, like God, the father, somehow in the midst of all the truth and all the shame and all the guilt, uh, the one person I want to be around is God. And so uh, I want my son to feel that. Like I want him to feel close to the Lord, even in the midst of his sin and brokenness. I want him to feel close to me as I'm disciplining him with truth. And there's consequence. I still want him to feel close to dad. Like the one person he wants to be around is dad. And so I'm just praying God, like, how do I do this? You know, What do I need to do here? And so a couple days later, as I'm still literally still just trying to process that he's like kind of, he's lost all the, the privileges that he's had. He's not playing with his friends and stuff. I'm trying to spend a lot of time with just him, but he's, he's lost a lot of the privileges that he had had before that. So a couple days pass by of that, as I'm trying to figure out like, what is the shepherding of his heart going to look like in the midst of this? So we sit down, I actually sit him down with him and his older or his sister, who my oldest daughter but is a little bit younger than him. And I sit them down. And one thing that I had noticed is we had been reading through the book of Mark together and we had just finished reading through the book of Mark. And then we got to, we started to read through the book of James and we had only got a couple of chapters in, but, and then we took a pause because we were, had some friends in town who were visiting and we just got out of our normal rhythm and routine. And so I sat down with my kids. It was just me and two of them. And I told them, I said, did you notice that we stopped reading the Bible over the last few days? And they said, yeah. And I told them about how Psalm 1 talks about how the guy who reads the scriptures, who meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted near water and everything he does thrives. And I told them, I said, what happens if you take a tree and you put it far away from water? What happens if you put a tree near in the desert? What would happen? And they said it would die. It would start to wither away. And I said, yeah, it's fruit would go away, right? If you didn't have water near that tree. And they said, yeah. And I said, have you noticed that we had stopped reading the word of God? And I said, what happened to us? Like, it seems like, and I told them, I experienced this even in my own life. When I pull away from the word of God, when I'm far from Jesus, I look like a tree that's dying. And I said, did you experience any kind of death over the last few days as we've kind of strayed away from God and his word. And obviously what had happened just days earlier was still fresh on all of our minds. And so my son just said, yeah, I think there was, there was death in relationship and death in my reputation. There was like brokenness. There were sinful things that happened. And I said, one of the things, the tree stopped producing fruit. And then we, we've talked about the fruits of the spirit many times. And I said, what fruits did you see start to not be produced in your life? And we talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? Faithfulness, self-control, all these things. And so we said like those things, that fruit had started to die in your life. The tree had stopped producing fruit because it wasn't near the water anymore. And so I told him, I said, tomorrow I want to wake up and I just want to get back to the water again so that we don't die, <clears throat> so that our souls don't die, so that our reputations don't die, so that the fruits of the spirit in us don't die. Our relationships don't die. And so they agreed. They I almost sensed in them like, no, I want this too. I want to be back to the water again. I want to be back to feeling like I'm close with the Lord again. They didn't say that, but I just got a sense like they were all in on reading the the Bible again. So the next day we sat down and I know I'm telling you a lot here and giving you a lot of story. Hang with me. The next morning we got up and we read, we started to read through, and we were on James three. And so I'm just gonna read to you. James 3 in its entirety, it's not very long at all, I want, but I want to read to you, and I believe that the word of God is active, so even though I'm telling you a story about my own life, the, the scriptures are powerful, man, like even for you as you listen to this passage, maybe God has something for you, but I also, as you listen to this chapter, which again is short, as you listen to it, keep in mind the context of what had happened just days earlier in my son's life and in, you know, me trying to think through parenting. I've been praying to God, like, how do I shepherd his heart well? And and then now listen to this chapter in that context. James chapter three, verse one says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal and consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, whatever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set by fire and is set on fire by hell. Every creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth, my brothers. These things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct, with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of unrighteousness is sown in, by peace, in peace, by those who cultivate peace. We read that passage. We got done reading that. And I could tell, man, I could tell my son was getting hit by the weight of the truths of the scripture. And I asked him, I said, son, what are you feeling right now? And he said, I feel like God is talking to me. Man, even as I repeat that and think about that moment, I get emotional. And in that moment, I started to cry in front of my kids. I started to cry. And which I think is always awkward for my kids, right? When they see their dad cry. But I started to cry in that moment. I couldn't hold back my emotions. And they're just sitting there silently, kind of like, what do we do here as dad's crying? And I told them as I composed myself, I said, you guys, I have been praying to God, asking him how to parent you in this situation. And I said, sometimes as your daddy, I don't know what to do. I said, when you were born Nobody gave me a book to tell me how to raise you. And so I just, sometimes I'm confused and I don't know how to best raise you and how to parent your hearts. And so I said, I've been praying to God, asking God, God, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me figure out how to raise my children and how to parent their hearts in the way that you would parent mine? And I said, you guys, I think today God is parenting your heart, specifically you, my boy. I said, I think God is trying to talk to you. I said, I didn't even, I didn't know, I hadn't remembered where we were at in our Bible reading. I didn't know that we were going to read James 3 today. And just yesterday, we were talking about fruit and how our lives have not been producing fruit. And how crazy is it that we're sitting down right now reading James 3. And James 3 is talking about how the fruit... Like, does a tree, can a tree produce a fruit that it's not that kind of tree? And I said, dude, we claim to be Jesus followers, and yet your life is producing a different kind of fruit. I said, just doesn't, James would say, it just doesn't make sense, man. If we claim to be followers of God, then let us, our lives produce the kind of fruit that we claim that it, the tree is. And I could tell my son, even as I'm, you know, I'm crying, (laughs) I'm emotional. I could tell my son is feeling the weight of God talking to him. And so I know I've spent the last however many minutes talking to you about my family and my parenting journey, but I just want to I want to now focus this back on you, brother, who is listening to this podcast. There are so many of us who feel like we don't know what to do when it comes to raising our kids; like we're lost. And this dude, this starts so early. I don't care if your kids are like six days old or 60 years old. I just have a feeling that are all of parenting is like, what am I doing? How do I do this? And I want to challenge you in the same way that somebody's challenged me and what I've been feeling convicted by lately is just, do I actually believe that God loves my kids even more than I do? Do I actually believe that the word of God is powerful enough to change their hearts I would love to think that I could give some good lecture that's going to change their hearts or have some wisdom that I've gained over the years of growing as a man that I can just tell them and somehow they're going to learn. But do I really believe that God loves them more than I do, that he's actively parenting them more than I am, that he has the ability through his word and by his spirit to change their hearts in a way that I can never do? Here's the reality, bro. I do not possess the power to change my child's heart. You do not possess the power to change your child's heart. There's only one heart changer. We can change behavior. We can punish them until they, you know, comply. But there's only one. There's only one who can actually change hearts. And it's the spirit of God. It's the word of God that can actually change a heart. Can change a life. And so if I believe that, I know we say that if you're a Christian and you're you've grown up and you're around the Christian community, you know, that's kind of common knowledge, but do we believe it? Do we actually believe that that book is different than every other book? Listen, bro, I want you to buy every dad's hired book. If you haven't bought it, please do. <laughs> but dude, my books don't have the power to change lives. I've talked about scripture, quote a ton of scripture in the books, doesn't have the power to change lives. Jesus, the word of God, the spirit of God, the father has the power to change that. And he's the only one. And so are we pointing our kids to him and are we pointing them back to the word of God, believing God, will you just take your word and will you use it to change the heart of my child? Some of this, for some of you, you got really young ones. You're like, well, what does that mean for my two-year-old? It means setting a foundation. I have a two-year-old and I have a four-year-old. And when my older ones were two and four, we would read the Jesus storybook Bible with them. And I'm just trying to set the foundation that there's a God, that there's a bigger story, that there's a word of God. And so we just read that, those stories, the Bible storybook, just to get them familiar to set a foundation. Now, as my kids, my older two are nine and 11, about to be 10 and 12. uh, We read the actual Bible and dude, I'm not doing any prep ahead of time. I literally don't do any prep stuff. I'm not studying any kind of deep theological stuff. I didn't even go to seminary. I have no Bible study plan that I'm taking them through. I literally have just been opening the Bible. We started in the book of Mark, and we've just been reading the literal words of God. And then just this last week, uh, we opened the Bible to James, read the actual word of God. No pre, I didn't have anything planned. And bro, I watched as the word of God changed my son's heart, or at least started to change his heart. I told him in that moment, I said, buddy, I think God is talking to you. I said, there's, it's either God is not real. And this is just complete crazy coincidence that we started to talk about this last night. And then we read about this this morning. Maybe it's just coincidence. Or the other option is that there is a God, that there's a creator, that there's a father who loves you deeply, who loves you even more than I do as your daddy. And he really wants to talk to you. And it seems like from my perspective, that God is trying to speak to you right now, that he really wants to get your attention. And I told him, I said, dude, I, I, you know what? I think God's talking to you. I think you need to go talk to God. And so, uh, my son, I told him, I told him for me personally, what I like to do when I, when I sense that God's talking to me, I like to just go to a quiet place. My room, shut the door. I actually lay on my face just kind of as a humble posture to say, I'm, I've been trying to be God and I've been failing and I'm not very good at being God. I want you to be God. And so I lay on my face like in the same way that somebody would come before a king and just so I'm not worthy. And so I lay on my face and I talk to God and I say, God, I repent. I'm sorry that I've tried to be God in my own life. Clearly, I've stepped outside of the bounds of what it means to be a human in your kingdom. And I want to come back to living the way that you designed us to live. And I, I told my son, I think I encourage you to go do that. And so he went upstairs by himself and he shut the door of, of his room. And I believe, I don't know, but I think that he laid on his face and he talked to God and he responded to the way that God talked to him that day. And man, it's just, it made me emotional because I had to come back to the reality that God loves my son more than I do. And not only that, he has the power to change his heart in a way that I don't He possesses the power through his spirit and by his word to shape him, to change my son's heart. And it was really, I saw my son respond to the word of God in a way that he's never responded to any of my clever lectures because my clever lectures and my opinions and my experiences don't have the power to change his heart, but the word of God does. And I believe that. And so for you, brother listening, my challenge to you is, how much are you putting the word of God in front of your kids? Are you giving them an opportunity to be shaped by the spirit of God and the word of God? Quote scripture. Memorize scripture together. Listen to the Bible in the car. Pick a verse. Write it on your hands. We've literally been doing that this week. We wrote down uh, Dwell. There's a company called Dwell, that does this. And it's it's such a great way to memorize scripture, but we just write the first letter of every word in the verse on our hands. And that triggers us to remember. So this week we've been memoring. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We've been studying that and memorizing that together. As a family, memorize the scriptures, not because it's a good Christian thing to do, not because you get a toy when you go to Sunday school or you get stickers on your sticker chart or whatever. We memorize the scriptures. We study the scriptures because we actually believe it's the only thing that can actually change our hearts. And when my kids are older and as they grow and they leave the house, they probably won't remember my clever lectures, they probably won't remember most of my opinions. And even if they did, it doesn't have the power to change them. What I really want are my kids to memorize the word of God. I want them to be changed by the spirit of God because I think that that's the only thing that has the power to change their hearts for all of eternity. I don't possess that power, brother. You don't possess that power. Our kids, our families need the word of God. I hope that as I shared that story with you, it's helpful on your journey of falling more in love with Jesus and helping your family do the same. I love you guys so much. I'm grateful to be on this journey with you, stumbling our way through what it looks like to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. I'll see you next week. Later.